Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Mike, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back. I I think we talked maybe March or April and right when this was starting and here we are. (laughs) So I wanted to reconnect and I don't know (laughs) we even were to talk about or start. It's just been crazy. So first, uh, how are you doing at the Oregonian? How are things? Things are are good, you know, about as well as could be expected um, under the circumstances. You know, it's, it's been a difficult several months, but it has not been, unbearable by any means. It's just been extremely busy. Uh, as pandemics go, uh, you know, we're hanging in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get, uh, before we start recording, we are talking about just returning to office and what the, um, y- you know, the Oregonian, what the newsroom is going to look like. So we'll, we'll get to that. But I think when we left off that, you know, again, this was just kind of starting maybe April, we chatted, I can't quite remember. So maybe we should just kind of start with the unemployment picture in, in Oregon, where we're at. I think there's, it's been a huge fiasco, but um, I know you've been doing a lot of coverage for it. So love just to start there. And see well, let's start, on. you know, it, it's, it's Friday the 4th as we're recording this and the federal unemployment numbers have just come out yeah. and, uh, you know, it's down to 8.4%, but job growth has slowed considerably. Uh, over the last few months, and we're still well below where we were in February in terms of national headcount. Uh, Oregon unemployment has roughly followed that trajectory. We, you know, the the bounce back, you know, it, we were up near, we were at 14.9% unemployment in March, which is the highest point on record. Yeah, wow. The bounce back has been, I think, much stronger than economists thought. You know, the talk was 20 or 25% unemployment. We never got close to that. Mm-hmm. That said, there's a lot of fragility right now. Um, and I think, you know, layoffs have returned to pre-recession levels. Mm. They're not in Oregon anyway. You know, it's, it's, it's not terrible in terms of new job losses, but um, there's a lot of fragility. I have an article running this Sunday looking at a census survey of small businesses on their outlook and small businesses are closest to the ground and maybe have the best view of where things are, are at. Right. Uh, and in the Portland area, they're much more pessimistic than others. You know, mm. of the 50 largest Metro areas, Portland small businesses are the third most likely to think this is going to be a long downturn. Mm. And they're among those who feel most strongly that who are, have felt the effects most strongly. Right. It's not obvious to me why Portland should feel worse than elsewhere 
Our numbers don't look much different than the national numbers, perhaps even a little better than in many places. I don't think we're disproportionately dependent on things like travel and tourism, although those are big industries here. They're big industries in a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's not clear to me why that is. But, you know, we see federal payments drying up. You know, there's no new stimulus money on the horizon with the with Congress deadlocked. So there's a, a lot of concern that our, our, our sharp bounce back um, is about to tail off and perhaps even reverse. I think last time we talked, we may have referenced the square root recession. Mm-hmm. The idea was that it would look like the square root symbol. We'd have a sharp downturn then a sharp uptick, and then a long, slow line out back. The uptick has been faster than people expected. Um, but people don't know right now, is this going to be some more like a W recovery where yeah. we bounce up then fall again and then bounce back up? Are we going to have that square root uh, situation where things sort of tail out for a while? Or might the upward trajectory continue? And it's all up in the air right now. Why is that? You, yeah, sorry to interrupt, Mike, but why is that, uh, you know, referencing the, the article you're, that's coming out, that sentiment, what are your thoughts of why that is? If it's not, if, is it just still the uncertainty? Is it a lot of other things that are going on in Portland and Oregon? Or what, what do you think? <laughs> so so I, I wondered about, it, it's for the whole metro area. So it's not just okay. downtown. Okay. Um, and so I, I wondered if the protests might be part of that, but the sentiment has actually improved modestly as the summer has gone on uh, among small businesses. So if they were thinking, oh, it's, you know, we're, you know, it's the protests, they're killing us, they're killing our reputation, that wouldn't explain why they were feeling better about it now than they were a few months ago before the right. protests really got yeah. going. True. So I don't think that's it. I, I think it may just be a more sober assessment that we felt this pretty acutely. And I think people feel vulnerable. And I, I, you know, when you look at the national numbers, the places that are feeling the best are places like Salt Lake city, which are relatively isolated and, you know, haven't been hit that hard by the pandemic. Oregon hasn't either. Right. Uh, But I, I think certain communities just feel set apart from what's going on nationally. I think Portland feels very much at the center of it. Mm. Uh, and, and it may also have something to do with, we were, although the pandemic did not hit us particularly hard, it did hit us pretty early. And so I think very modestly at first, but I think we may have internalized it at that time. Mm. So that's that's a thought. It, it also could be a statistical anomaly. Uh, well, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I talk a lot, obviously, you know, I, I, I run events that <laughs> that industry is yes. decimated, but, uh, you know, doing virtual stuff like everybody else. And I'm finding as we're getting into people that are on calendar year, at least that are getting into budgeting season, which will be start pretty much this month, next month, or, or already started. Um, folks are being very cautious already and there's a lot of things they've just totally eliminated for one reason or another. So I, I don't know, you know, what, to, what that says about it, but. You know, it's, it's, it's just really hard to tell. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, I think as school districts go, Portland is probably not doing particularly well at getting people, you know, tuned into, to, you know, online schooling or setting up prognosis for getting people back yeah. in the classroom. And I think 
that's going to be a major economic headwind for us. Mm. Because hmm. if, if parents don't feel confident that their kids are getting an education, they're going to be at the very least diverted from work and, and perhaps <sighs> reluctant to do it. That is a huge deal. And I mean, it's just my own household. You know, we live in the suburbs, but um, it's going to be online. And, you know, I'm fortunate I can work from home. And, um, but still, it's like my wife and I are like, how we have to get, how are we going to do this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not, one of us is not going to be able to work uh, half the day or, you know, however it's going to belong. So we have no idea. And I could see, you know, fortunately, that affects everybody. And whether you have to go into a place of work still or, or even if you're home working, that's, it's almost impossible. So, yeah, it, it we're definitely at a, uh, it's, it's, it's an issue everywhere um, except for, you know, a handful of places where they are going back into school and it's going fairly well. Yeah. For the most part, you know, people are, are not doing great. I think the outlook in Portland maybe isn't great. Things are hazy. Um, you know, the district is postponed, really postponed the start of school by two weeks. They're having this soft start, but there isn't much schooling going on right. during that time. It doesn't instill confidence that the district, after having started this in March, we get into September and they're still not ready to go and they have mm -hmm. to delay the start of school. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that may be affecting the sentiment. Well, let's talk about some of the industries that are doing well, <laughs> maybe in, in Oregon. <laughs> um, you know, what are, I, I do like, just like you talk to some folks that are in industries that are like, Hey, we're doing the best we've ever had, which is interesting. <laughs> uh, so what are some of those uh, well, I mean, Intel sales are were out of this world last yeah. quarter um, because people are working from home and they need new equipment uh, and because data centers are more important than ever. Mm -hmm. So their business has been going really well. That said, Intel also had a major techno technological lapse uh, with their seven nanometer processor. They're a year behind on that after years of delays to their past two, their 14 nanometer and their 10 nanometer. So even though the company's bottom line looks really strong right now, investors are not happy about the outlook. The stock fell sharply last month and has not recovered any of that. Mm -hmm. Just this past week though, they released a new processor for laptops um, developed in Oregon, Tiger Lake, and people right. are you know, um, pretty encouraged about that, I think. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Nike's sort of the opposite. Their sales were not good last quarter, uh, but investors are very optimistic about their outlook under their new CEO. They've changed strategies. They're going to push online more, uh, selling you know, their own products their own way. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a feeling uh, among investors that smart, strong companies, strong brands can invest during downtimes and emerge in a stronger position. Mm. And so... There's a lot of investor confidence in Nike. Yeah, I make I guess it makes sense. Obviously, we follow the stock market. It's I think it's erased all the losses right so far. So oh, it's, oh yeah, yeah, everything's even. bumping up against records. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and as people are quick to point out, the stock market is not the economy, but it right. is part of the economy, mm -hmm. and it, mm -hmm. it's a, a useful barometer to some degree. You know, one, one business that's struggling that I don't think is getting enough attention, or maybe it is getting the attention, it not, hasn't necessarily reached people's consciousness, is precision cast parts. Hmm. And they have, they eliminated 
something like a third of their workforce in the first part of the year. They were struggling coming into the recession. Warren Buffett, you may recall, bought them for $36 billion um, uh, a few years ago. It was the biggest single outright purchase ever by Berkshire Hathaway. uh, And it was the biggest deal for a company in Oregon history. Uh, The company had manufacturing problems after that. Its sales weren't really growing. They got snookered into um, buying a German company. That turned out to be a pretty much an accounting fraud. They did win a oh, uh, court case for that. It's seven hundred million, I think, but they're unlikely to recover much of what they lost. Mm. Their business is heavily dependent on aerospace and Boeing. So first the seven thirty seven Max, and now the aerospace industry is totally grounded. So uh, that's a business that's really struggling. It is doing badly, and oh. some of that is because of the markets they're exposed to. Some of which it, some of it. it appears to have not been very well run. Um, mm. Perhaps it's the same management team that Warren Buffett bought. Perhaps okay. there was an integration problem or um, perhaps the company just believed its own press, mm. but clearly Buffett overpaid for it because it has not performed well uh, since he bought it. And it is a big employer in this market. Yeah. So they are, they are struggling. It's bad. You know, I did, I think I might've read something you wrote about that a while back. So I didn't really, realize you know the dependence on the <laughs> airline industry and yeah that's that's unfortunate and such an iconic kind of organ company too right oh so. yeah it was our it was our only well it, it was them lithium motors and nike were our three fortune 500 companies until they were sold mm-hmm. um and they are they were a big company you know but mm-hmm. it's it's bad let's shift to start i mean startups a little bit because this is a world you cover a lot and how has the startup ecosystem been affected here, if at all? Uh, candidly, I haven't followed it as closely these last few months mm-hmm. um, because there has been so much going on. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. the downturn was not as severe as people expected. There have continued to be some investments. You know, uh, in the midst of all this, this Vancouver company, Zoom Info, it used to be called Discover Org. Right. They held an IPO and it was a sensation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, th- they did. They did really, really, really well. Uh, their stock, I think they went out for sixteen or eighteen, and it immediately shot up to forty something. Uh, I think they're the second largest company by market value now in the metro area. Wow. Uh, and they're they're essentially, you know, marketing leads that they call through scraping websites yeah. uh, or calling people up and. Mm-hmm. Less so calling people up to find out who's managing what. But mm-hmm. you've seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. These are the good yep. leads. Yep. These yep. are the mm-hmm. these are the things mm-hmm. that people people want. And um that that business has has done well. Now there there has been some retreat lately because there's some skepticism that their methods are really proprietary, that it isn't something somebody else could duplicate, uh, that it might not eventually be kind of commoditized, that lots of people are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. But and but they they used their IPO to pay down their debt. They had an enormous amount of debt um, mm. from a couple private equity deals when uh, when they went public. But they've reduced that now, so they're still a money losing company. But they're a subscription service, so they can probably over time work their way out of it. Investors are very hopeful. Uh, you know, among other startups, you know, we saw some immediate layoffs at companies like Puppet, which no longer a startup, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after that, and JAMA had some layoffs that they said were not related to the pandemic right at the beginning. But uh, other than that, 
it hasn't been evident that there has been a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there have been a few companies uh, that have had significant venture rounds during this period, in part because they're exposed to certain parts of the market, like telehealth and things like right. that. Right. I have. So, um, yeah. And I was going to say to one of the, to that point is I had the uh, CEO of bright.md on my podcast. That was the company I was going to mention. And it sounds like this is a good time for them. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, uh, yeah, if for a handful of, of spaces, this has been not just good, but really good. Yeah. And, and so, you know, there are a handful of companies that have been well-funded from that. Um, well, I mean, you're, so we'll get back to kind of downtown and just, working remotely you know the oregonians offices downtown um and a lot of big employers are there uh you you saw i think the the standard standard insurance is a big employer here locally um said they're gonna kind of have everybody work from their hillsborough office i mean i don't know how many people are working downtown anyways right now but yeah uh, i I mean that that that's sort of a shot across the bow, but okay. it isn't a really big impact um, yeah. because, you know, it's a skeleton crew working right yeah. now. But, but it's, you know, they're clearly, with the language they're using, they're yeah. holding it out there and saying, hey, get your act together. Right. Now, I, I, think, I think it's really hard to tell with downtown right now, yeah. you know, how much of what's going on is because of the reputation around the protests. For those of us who work downtown, like you and I did, I mean... Yeah. If you're not right on that corner, most nights, not every night, but most nights, it's not an issue. It's not an issue at all during the day. Yeah. And most nights, you know, you could walk three blocks and have no idea what's going on. Now, right. the shooting that happened last week was not on those few blocks. It was a few, several blocks away. Mm-hmm. You know, it had spilled out across downtown that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think things like that do worry people. But part of what's happened is there's a void because nobody's downtown because nobody's in offices. Right. And so, you know, everyone who's there at, in the evening is a protester. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I, you know, offices are empty. Restaurants are empty. Hotels are empty. I think we'll have a better idea of what things look like as the pandemic starts to recede. We also don't know if people are going to go back to the office. You know, at right. the Oregonian, we're consolidating onto a single floor. We're going to try and sublease our fourth floor where the newsroom was. Okay. Um, more people will work remotely, it, you know, at their at their option. It sounds like if they want to, the company. It sounds like I think things are still fluid, but probably will accommodate that. Yeah. But I I don't know how well that will work in the long run. Um, my colleague Jamie Goldberg had an article oh, three weeks ago, maybe, talking about some of these issues. And she talked to Wyden and Kennedy, and mm. they were like, "Oh yeah, at the beginning, everyone's like, oh, we can work remotely. We can all work from home." after a couple months people are like ah this isn't quite what we hoped it would be it's it's, Uh, yeah i mean it's so interesting and there's a couple things i mean the biggest concern i have is all the small businesses that service the people that are downtown like i went downtown the other day for something and i'm like oh my favorite bagel shop i can't wait haven't been in downtown like a few months uh i showed up there boarded up out of business and it just crushed me you know, and so I, I, that kind of thing really concerns me. And I was talking to someone who worked at Elemental Technologies and, um, you know, they would go to their favorite bento place and 
you know, how they really made their business based on elemental tech uh, employees and Amazon employees. So that kind of thing just really breaks my heart, you know? Yeah. For those businesses, this is an impossible time. And the longer this goes on, the worse it is, you know, PSU is mostly remote, I believe. Uh, So, uh, you know, that's, that's a huge campus. So, you know, if you're not downtown, if you're not at the South end of downtown, you don't realize it, but there's, tens of thousands of people who go yeah. down there every day yeah uh to go to school there you know that's taking a lot of wind out of out of downtown's energy so those are our big problems now I, I think downtown portland has a few things going for it uh one is that it's centrally located uh mm-hmm. like downtown san francisco is at the top of a peninsula mm-hmm. uh yeah it's sort of in the middle of the bay area but the center of gravity in the bay area sort of moved south over the years right. but it's kind of out on the edge Downtown Vancouver, Vancouver, Washington, is far on the southwest corner of Clark County. Mm-hmm. But Portland is right in the middle. Downtown Portland is right in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. So the standard can say, oh, we're going to move to Hillsborough. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you think your employees in Gresham feel about that? Right. Uh, yeah, that's that's not great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it is very centrally located. It is very pretty. It is very easy to get in and out of as downtowns go. Yeah, there's traffic and everything, but there's good transit in and out of it, great transit in and out of it. It's very bikeable. So I think if office work returns, downtown Portland will return. Yeah. I think we just don't know yet what people's appetite for downtown will be. Yeah, for like, office work, yeah. for office work, I mean, generally. I, I, I mean, it's not just Portland. It's everywhere. Right. And yeah. my own feeling is... I like to be around people. I like the collaborative environment. Given the option, I would work in an office. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan, you worked in that office yeah. on, on Southwest First overlooking yeah. NATO. It's a beautiful view. Yeah. It yeah. looks straight down on the Willamette and, and the Hawthorne Bridge. Right. You know, given that option, that's where I want to be. But I don't know that everyone agrees with me on that. <laughs> It's There's so, a lot to be said for working remotely. Well, there is, but it's interesting. I talked to a Nike executive and I, and I was just kind of talking to him offline. I said, you know, generational wise, like, do, do you see a difference of who wants to work? Is it the younger people that do like to work remotely more? And he said, actually, no, it's the people that are in, you know, their last five to 10 years of the career, their career love to be at home. But the younger generation or the people, they want to experience that campus feel, especially at Nike. They want to be, yeah. go to the Nike events, have Serena Williams come and give a talk. That's what, and it's harder for them potentially to advance because you're not getting that time with senior leaders. And so I was actually, that's kind of surprised me. I guess I didn't think that way, but um, that's, that's hard. If you're coming out of college now and got, uh, onboarded remotely <laughs> you never have not met your team yet until potentially a year from now that's going to be just really hard in the career i could see that well i you know we have again a great crop of interns uh, reporting interns at the oregonian um it seems like they get better every year but for them the experience is it's not the same when you're not you part of the internship is being around experienced people uh and you know you can see what they've learned and the mistakes they've made so you don't have to make them right but it's much harder to do when you're working remotely um yeah you know I, it's it's a, a really difficult situation and i my my thought is that maybe there will be more remote work but i, I think 
you know, for instance, Facebook has indicated it. Oh, well, you know, we'll probably allow, you know, remote work almost, you know, indefinitely now. Mm-hmm. But if you're ambitious, you're going to want to yeah. be around the managers. You're going to want to be around the executives. Maybe at some point in your career, you say, okay, that's enough. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but I think there's still going to be an enormous pull. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think things will always come back, you know, and it's, it's, it's easy to get lost in here. It's just the uncertainty. What's kind of, we'll go for a little bit longer, but what's kind of your outlook now that you've, you've been doing this for a while, you've been through a lot of different economic cycles. So as a, have I, what's your outlook on this? I mean, we've never been through a pandemic, but. (laughs) No, I I think that's, that's the wild card. And Mm -hmm. I think all economists are saying this. So this is not any insight on my part, but I think the feeling is that, we don't know the economic recovery here depends to a great degree on epidemiology. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think there are a million ways that this could go yet. Uh, I do think, you know, the economist had something and the Portland business Alliance and John Tapania, eco Northwest and others picked up on this. They called it a 90% economy where you can do 90% of what you usually do. Hmm. But that 10% still leaves a big hole. And I think for the foreseeable future, that's kind of where we're at. And you talked about the small businesses downtown, everybody in the hospitality industry, bars and restaurants, hotels, it's going to be bad for them for a long time. I think even, even if a vaccine were hugely effective, and by next summer, for example, we could be, confident of um of um you know being where where we were uh i i think people are going to be reluctant to go back to the way things were for a while just to get their feet under them it's so it's like you know we're so adaptable and it's it's now i'm kind of like well this is the way it is it's like uh in some ways, obviously it's positive. It's just kind of nudged the acceleration of what a lot of businesses should be, should have been doing uh, just digital and things. So there's a lot of opportunity in that. It's just going to be some bumpy roads for those industries you, you mentioned. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm working on an article now about the film industry and, you know, Leica laid off 50 mm-hmm. some people two weeks ago, Leica's the Hillsborough film studio. They did Coraline, they right. did Kubo and the two strings, you know, it's, it's difficult. On the other hand, though, Shadow Machine, which is making, with Guillermo del Toro, which is making a new Pinocchio in Portland. So they shut down Pinocchio for maybe a couple months, but it's going again. Hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it's difficult. Some people are working from home and building puppets and, and things there. Yeah. Uh, but others are in the studio, you know, doing the, the filming. But it's difficult because you only got one person on set at a time. Yeah. That person leaves, somebody else comes in so that they never overlap, but it can get done. People are finding ways to get it done. And I, I talked to some folks in, you know, advertising market yesterday and they're like, Oh yeah, we have all these creative solutions. Mm -hmm. Their business is about half of what it was, I think, Mm. but it's not zero. Right. And so I, I, I think, you know, incrementally these things may start to push up whatever happens. So I guess my outlook is that I think we're likely to have a, a slow, modest recovery. Um, the the risk is that if consumer confidence falls away, if there aren't new relief programs, 
mm-hmm. then I think coming into next year, things could start to f- fall off again. And it, it, we might have something more like a conventional recession at that point. Well, it's interesting. You see the spent consumer spending because, as you know, it makes up two thirds of our economy. <laughs> and actually, it's kind of been on a hot streak, <laughs> like at yeah. least with the big box retailers. It's just consumer spending yeah. has been decent and yeah. um, savings has been strong. And that's, yeah. that's because of the federal relief payments. The unemployment yeah. payments have been strong. Yeah. Uh, and then you had the federal relief payments coming out. So a huge share of the population has not lost significant income during this, which is different from other recessions right? and, and shows the value of federal stimulus, but there isn't another round imminent mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. that. So TBD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, we, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, Mike, it's always great to have you on. And I know you got a, a lot of work to do and I just love checking in and thanks for being out there and doing the good work because it's, you know, it's important and just to know what's going on here locally. We, we get inundated with so much national news and opinions about what Portland is. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you and your team, I've worked there, just um, really do the important work. So, that, you know, thanks, Mike. Well, it's good to see you even remotely. And hopefully yeah. next time we do this, we'll, we'll be doing it together. <laughs> hopefully, even if it's outside, maybe we can do that and get a beer. <laughs> yes. All right. Thanks, Mike. Good to see you. You too. Bye. Bye. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.